0: Moncrief on News Talk. Princes are now awake and I believe the Prince of Wales has broken the news. Those poor boys. His team have made a request to have an aeroplane of the Queen's flight made available. What for? To bring the Princess back from Paris in accordance with arrangements set up under Operation Overstudy. No, No, those plans are for a royal death abroad. Diana was no longer royal, no longer HRH. We must be seen to be doing this by the book.
1: Indeed, sir, and I suggested as such myself to the Prince of Wales, to which he asked if we would prefer the mother of the future King of England to be brought back in a Harrods van. And finally, the chaplain called. Did you have any thoughts about
0: going to church this morning? We have to assume that there will be photographers. The entire family must come. Let me see. But no mention of the accident. Ask the chaplain to keep to the usual service. We want everything to be as normal as possible. That's The Crown. You can stream the first four episodes of the final season now on Netflix. James Dempsey joins us once again. Afternoon, James.
1: Afternoon, Sean.
0: Uh, Has this got worse as it's gone on?
1: (laughs) I mean having their lives, basically. Um, Like, yeah, I would say the thing about The Crown was I kind of was a bit unsure about it when it started, however many seasons ago. This is season six. It's not. It's it's more years than that. And it was kind of the jewel in the crown, if you'll excuse the pun, of Netflix's kind of um, output right when it began. It was one of the most expensive uh, shows ever made for, for a streamer at the time. And it came with this big fanfare, obviously written by Peter Morgan, who had uh, you know, had, had um, cut his teeth in this kind of area, having written The Queen, The Audience and uh, Frost Nixon to a point. and And it started and made stars of its original uh, cohort uh, you know, of actors and then changed after two seasons to a new bunch and changed again this time. And this, we know for sure, is the final season of the show. And it's kind of an interesting one because the whole point of the show has been previously to look at Britain and the world as reflected through the modernization of the country compared to the kind of um, unbending way of of royalty and the crown per se all framed around obviously the life of queen elizabeth and this time in the last in in, in season 5 they kind of um, you know, we got Elizabeth Debicki playing Princess Diana around the time of her divorce from Prince Charles, and this time around, the first four episodes, which have gone live, to the uh, live now, the remaining six will come in mid-December. Is all about her downfall. You know, it is all about uh, the the last few days of her life, the last weeks of her life spent in France uh, with Dodi Fayed, and then Paris, and then ultimately the car crash. So, what's always been the tricky part of The Crown is kind of ringing dramatic tension out of known outcomes because I mean look we know what happened Princess Diana and certainly they make it clear at the very very beginning of season six when it opens with the car crash where this is going and the question is whether or not they kind of stick the landing in making it dramatic along the way and do they <laughs> uh yes and no. You know, like it's kind you know, I, I had to binge uh, season five before this came out because I had given up a bit on the crown and I wanted to be sure. And the more I watched the crown, the more kind of um i find it a frustrating show because at its best it is very 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 entertaining or or at least very interesting how it sort of reflects the evolution of the uk against this timeline of this family um but when it's at its worst it's really self indulgent and rather silly and i find that my major criticism of it at its debut was it almost had like nothing critical to say about um, monarchy as an institution, whether or not it was critical of the family, certainly it had its 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 gripes. But as an institution, I thought at the very at the beginning, you know, in a kind of post-colonial world, I was a bit like, uh, this is making me a republican. I, and then on the other hand, <laughs> this time round, they just leaned so heavily into the Diana aspect that I mean. It is rather, rather trite, and uh, people who've watched it, because I mean, it's not that hard to binge four episodes across. You know, since last Friday, will most likely have gotten to episode four, and I don't think it's. I mean, look, it's not a spoiler, right? We, you know, yeah, we know yeah. that Diana is going to come undone here, but um, I, I, like there's been an awful lot of uh, mockery online about how, in this fourth episode, post uh, death, Diana appears as like an apparition, uh, kind of not quite an apparition, but God. Uh, uh, certainly, she she makes a post a post crossing over hmm. uh, appearance to Charles and the Queen, that I think is perhaps stretching it beyond you know stretching it a little too far. Uh, this is also a show that presented Prince Philip as being jealous of not getting go to, getting to go to space. So it has previously <laughs> <like> it, has, <laughs> it has form of being you know a very indulgent show. But uh, like here's what I think about it. It is so handsomely made. And it is populated by such gifted actors. And the costumes are lovely. It's just, again, it's a very, very, very expensive sub-opera. And sometimes it's going to be good and sometimes it's going to be not great. And, it's, uh, and like every previous season, it's got ups and downs this time too.
0: Yeah. I suppose it's, it's reached a point where it was, it's kind of analogous to the final season of Game of Thrones. People are going to watch it anyway, even if they think it might be garbage
1: agreed the problem now here is it's legacy much like queen elizabeth herself herself right she has this you know she she passed away over a year ago and there was this incredible outpouring of grief perhaps not to the diana levels but this was an older woman versus you know a 36 year old woman a uh, young mother in 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 a car crash right but basically uh, you know the 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 crime as an institution post the death of queen elizabeth has to kind of deal with the outcome of the last 10 years of various royals antics and what that means to people's perception of the royalty. And for the show, this final season will sort of unless the last six episodes really somehow managed to pull it all back together uh, which I doubt (laughs) is going to happen you know that they will have sapped away the legacy of the show because the kind of the first season uh, was very very promising and it just was kind of diminishing returns each time after that yeah okay
0: that's uh, The Crown our next show is called Monarch Legacy of Monsters new episodes every Friday on Apple TV plus here's a clip why are you here you gotta make it kind of quick we want to find out what happened to my father you tell me Right after G-Day, he said he had some place he needed to go. Wouldn't tell us where, but a week later, we were told the plane he was on disappeared somewhere in Alaska. Turns out he had a whole secret life in Japan. I came here to try and figure it out, but now we're being chased by these monarch people, and, uh... Disappeared? As in nobody? Hey. Hey, what is this place? Huh? Well, this place is what monarch euphemistically refers to as secure asset management right so you're imprisoned here
1: okay well we're leaving
0: yeah you can try but they're just gonna keep following you and following you and following you until they finally get what they want or well that's up to you now you can choke down that mountain of monarch about your father disappearing without a trace or You can get the hell out of here right now and find out what really happened with your dad. Uh, Right, so James, Godzilla. what, uh, What could we possibly need to learn new about Godzilla? (laughs)
1: Yeah, what a question. Um, Yeah. So basically, I guess what we are learning is that there is no intellectual property that is not rife for um, being turned into a multi-season, multi-arc, multi-generational, multi-locational shoot. Right. So this time around, I'm not sure if you fondly remember the 2014 Godzilla movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have to admit, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it myself. Mm. Uh, but but it was I think it was a, a relative critical and commercial hit in its time. And Apple TV saw this and thought, OK, we're going to run with this. And they brought on two creators. One is Chris Black, who made Severance, which is arguably my favorite of the Apple TV shows. I think it is well worth seeking out. But he did also write a lot of Desperate Housewives, so I'm not quite sure how he fits (laughs) into the mold here. And then we have uh, Matt Fraction, who is a very, very, very famous comic book writer and wrote one of my favorite comic book series of all times, which is called Sex Criminals, which is about criminals who have sex rather than their crimes being of that nature. And um, it is a very, uh, they're an odd combination to bring into this But we get a show that's set across two different timelines. One is in 2015, just after uh, Godzilla G-Day, as we heard in the clip, has attacked San Francisco. And in that, we find a young woman named Kate Randa, played by a New Zealander named Anna Sawai. And she has just moved to Japan to seek out, uh, you know, her father passed away or has disappeared, rather. And she found a set of keys and followed the trail of crumbs right to uh, a half-brother she never knew about, played by by Ren Watabe, and they're in Tokyo sort of dealing with the outcomes of being a newly put together upon family and uh, finding this old material that belongs to Monarch. Now, if you are familiar with the 2014 plus cycle of movies, Monarch is the name of this organization that is as I think it describes at one point of one line of dialogue in the show, it's like the CIA, but for monsters <laughs> or for, for <laughs> And there, so Monarch is the connective tissue holding the whole thing together. Now, I said there's two timelines because we also zip back in time to 1952, I think it is, to the jungles of Manila, where we have um, Wyatt Russell, son of Kurt Russell, playing Lee Shaw, who's the kind of military attaché to two I think if my memory is right, there are botanists or biologists or zoologists uh, mm-hmm. who go around in, uh, researching kaiju, which is the Japanese term for these Godzilla-esque monsters. And um, what I will say is the show is split into two timelines and one of them is significantly more entertaining than the other. That is the period piece. So in that we have Wide Russell who has appeared in lots of things, my favorite being Lodge 49, I think, or 42. Anyway, it's on Amazon, I absolutely loved it. Um, and Andres Holm, who's kind of a, a very recognizable American comedian, he's in Workaholics. They have great comic timing. They have all the action scenes running around from flying monsters, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, we flash forward uh, you know, to 2015, where Kurt Russell, father of Wyatt, is playing the older Lee Shaw in a bit of very successful stunt casting. And uh, in that timeline, we have people going around feeling, you know, Maudlin uh, Maudlin worries about, um, you know, monsters arriving, but no sign of the monsters (laughs) arriving. And what I always say is, like, when you're in a monster show, you want the monsters to be actually there. So it's basically a tale of two halves, one of which is significantly more entertaining than the other, as for the sum of its parts, it kind of adds up to an all right show, but I kind of wish they'd just focused on the period piece, really.
0: Yeah, and in terms of the general story arc, what mystery is Case trying to uncover?
1: So what she's trying to uncover is that her father has disappeared and is presumed dead. She met him, as we see in flashbacks to 2015 uh, or 2014, maybe she um, she met him post-G Day in San Francisco and he's like, everything's going to be all right. I'm just going off on this secret mission. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> and of course, his plane disappeared. There's no sign of his body. And where has he gone? So while uh, hoping to un- unearth that mystery, she has gone to Japan, where she encounters the long-lost brother, half-brother she never knew she had. And they both team up with the older version of Lee Shaw, that is Kurt Russell, to try and track down their dad, while also presumably at some point encountering various different kaiju.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's grand.
1: It's, it's grand. Yeah, from the sound of it
0: Right, our third show is Six Silent Killings Ireland's Vanishing Triangle You can stream now on Now TV and Sky Documentaries Here's a clip Then the following year a young teenage girl Kira Breen snuck out of her mum's home in Dundalk one evening She was never seen again And then there was Fiona Sinnott the single mum from Wexford last seen in the company of her ex-boyfriend at a night out with her friends in the pub
1: It actually scares you to think that, you know, somebody can actually go missing. Just like that, in a town that's so full of people.
0: Here we are, we have five women missing. There was absolutely something going on. How could there be like five murderers around the place? They've all been blessed, leaving no trace with no bodies. It's impossible. These women, they were here and now they're gone. And where are they? The question is, where are they? Right, so James, I suppose the names Annie McCarrick and Jojo Dullard uh, would be, uh, uh, that's just two of the the women that they uh, Mm -hmm. talk about in this documentary. That would be very uh, familiar to people. Are they, by saying, by locating it all in one particular area, are they trying to create some sort of link between the disappearances of all these women?
1: Definitely. Now, I, I, you know, when all these women disappeared, I was a very young child. So I kind of only know their names from kind of reappearing in news uh, stories every couple of years, which does tend to happen. But this documentary is framed around the concept that perhaps there was, you know, someone linked to a number of these uh, disappearances and presumed murders, essentially. Now, what it kind of is, is a very frustrating addition to the true crime documentary series because although it is beautifully made and they got great value out of their uh, drone in taking very very moody and atmospheric footage of the Wicklow Mountains, it again is another kind of true crime that just asks you know it's a it's, it asks these questions but provides very little answers and what I find particularly or what I found frustrating about it is it asks the questions without really even giving space for the answers to be told. So uh, throughout the series, we kind of follow Geraldine Nyland, who's a criminal um, investigator. I think she worked for the Irish Independent, who wrote extensively about this. And I think she coined the term the Vanishing Triangle, which is referring to this area in the Wicklow Mountains, where it is presumed these women's bodies are somewhere. And in it, um, you know, it's sort of, there's this idea that maybe there was a serial killer uh, involved But then at some point, we sort of divest from that train of thought altogether and we focus purely on only one person. And then at another point, we say, but the police are actually not looking for anyone in relation to these three other women. So it's very disjointed. The point it's trying to make is that, you know, or one of the questions that asks is, was misogyny part of the reason why, uh, you know, police investigations weren't more, weren't faster to get off or weren't more detailed or more um, probing? As in, you know, this is sort of, how oh, these women, they just kind of, not that, that the, you know, what they, what, whatever they were up to might have led to a more dangerous life or something like that. And that's a totally fair, justifiable question to ask, but not if you're not going to really probe it <laughs> as a question, you know. It's sort of... I, I, you know, I, I the, the director, a woman named Colette Camden, you know, I've seen other shows of her. She made a show that was on Netflix last year called The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker, which I reviewed on this lot and <laughs> remember finding quite enjoyable. Yeah. But this, this for me, is just a kind of... Um, unsatisfacting unsatisfactory but incredibly sad addition to the to the true crime sort of canon like where i found it it's most compelling was actually it opens with kind of home video footage of annie mccarrick uh talk, you know talking directly into the camera and it's very chilling seeing this young woman completely full of life uh, then just disappear you know, and yeah. no one know where she went. And and if the show, the, kind of the show um, it focuses more on her and a lot, quite a lot on Deirdre Jacobs, but the other women there, Fiona Pender, Kira Breen, Jojo Duller, Fiona it. some of them get very short shrift in the kind of uh, description of who they were or what even their disappearance is. So it's just a very uneven and kind of snapshot look at the mystery without really getting to grips with an outcome. Because of course there is no outcome. If we yeah. knew that you know, if there were if there were, we would already know what it is. Yeah, indeed.
0: Those three shows are the crown. You can stream the first four episodes of the final season now on Netflix. Monarch Legacy of Monsters. New episodes every Friday on Apple TV Plus and Six Silent Killings, Ireland's Vanishing Triangle. You can stream now on Now TV and Sky Documentaries. James MC, thank you very much. Thank you. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. The Fluffy Planet. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.